first things first is have a positive attitude. Um, Cause if you are out there and it's cold and it's wet and it's dark um, and you're wearing like a ton of clothes to stay warm. So like you just feel a lot heavier um, cause all your clothes are baggier um, and you've got like a hat on. So you can't really hear super great. Um, yeah, just have a great attitude and just be excited to be out there in the snow. And that will help carry you through like a lot of the hard times. From KOM Cycling and Michigan Midpack Media, welcome to the Dirty Chain Podcast, the podcast that covers the cycling scene from the viewpoint of the Michigan Midpack. I am your host, Trevor. And this is Sheldon. And on this episode, we talk with Jill Martindale, Michigan native and Sheldon, dare I say, the queen of fat biking. Well, if we're talking about somebody that has won the long course Iditarod, and is a course record holder for the Arrowhead 135. I think uh, I think that's a very well deserved uh, title to call Jill the Queen of Fat Tires. Uh, most definitely, she definitely deserves it. She is a maniac when it comes to uh, fat bike events and winter fat biking. But she also um, has put on a couple events here in Michigan. So we talk all about about that and about some of her gear choices. And uh, we get a little bit off subject too. So. Uh... <laughs> You could all wait on that. We'll get right to that interview real quick. But Sheldon, I want to tell you a racing story. A racing Ooh, uh, story. A racing story. Wait, 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 wait. Is this a digital racing story? A digital racing story. <laughs> it might be on Zwift. <laughs> we might be. Hold on. At least like for this episode, we can we can balance the Zwift talk with some real outdoor outdoor <laughs> talk <laughs> but i do have a quick before we get to the real cycling i do have a quick story i wanted to share with with you all um and you sheldon but uh so as we know i've been talking about it uh way too much but i've been <laughs> zwift racing a bit and um our friend uh nathan laraza has kind of gotten me into this team atp and i think mm-hmm. they're kind of all over the country just it's it's kind of a big team so uh, he messages me last week. It's on Thursday, and he said, "Hey man, are you uh, you racing tonight?" And I wasn't going to. I didn't. I didn't feel like racing, and so, um, mm-hmm. and and I said no. And he's like, "Oh, I wasn't going to either." But then this uh, a strong dude in the, in Zwift racing circles, Kevin Bouchard Hall. Um, so he messages Nathan and, and invites him to be on one of the uh, team time trial teams with him, and. Uh, and says there might be some special guests. Well, a couple minutes later, Nate messages me and says, uh, "Ted King is going to be on this team too." I am so screwed. <laughs> I said, "Yeah, you are absolutely screwed. Why would you get in the same team with Kevin Bouchard Hall and Ted King and try to hold on? You've got to be kidding." So, anyways, I thought, well, have fun with that, Nate. Um, whatever. I'm just going to have a beer tonight or something. And um, of course. An hour later, I get another message from Nate. 
there's an opening and we need another rider. And I'm like, what, what do you mean you need another rider? He's like, you got to ride with us, man. We need another rider. And I was like, there's no way. Like one, I can't do any pulling with the, because you're doing these rotations for the team time trial. It's like, I'm going to die. And even if yeah. I just sit in, there's no way I can just sit in. And he's like, no, 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 you'll be fine. So all of a sudden I go from not racing to uh, <laughs> committing. Did you quickly down the beer you had? <laughs> <laughs> so I committed to doing a team time, team time trial with Nathan, who's extremely strong, but then Kevin Bouchard Hall and Ted King and then a couple other riders who are insanely strong. And uh, I don't know, I kind of had a, one of these Sheldon moments of like, why not? I guess I'll just do it and see what happens. <laughs> I don't know. Even that sounds like a terrible decision, even for me to make. <laughs> so yeah. So um, how how did how would it go? Okay, so they were very kind to me, and I didn't have to take any pulls. I just <laughs> sat in the group. They called me the glue, which um, was yeah. I it was a very I was a very unsticky glue. <laughs> <laughs> I was holding on for dear life the whole time, but uh, it was a two laps of Richmond. Richmond has a couple, couple punchy hills at the end of the lap, yep. and I thought, you know, if I can get over the first lap, if I get through the first lap through the first hills, I'll be pretty um, surprised or impressed with myself. I guess I got over the mm-hmm. hills, got over those little climbs, and stuck with it all the way to um, the then the next. Um, the next lap and just a, just a mile or so from the finish got to those climbs. And when, when I got to those climbs at the end, I was like, I'm not even going to try. Those guys can go. And I just let them go. And so, uh, but <laughs> I hung on for way more than I thought I would. <laughs> That's awesome. And it's, it's just I, one of those moments where you're, you, you know, Zwift racing is weird already, but then I am on a Discord chat with this dude, Kevin Bouchard Hall and Ted King, and it's just like, <laughs> what am I doing? Like, I have no business being right here. <laughs> Was this the story that you, you wanted to tell me around the fire, but uh, you didn't? That's exactly right, yeah. When we were um, uh, out. We sat outside in the night, or in the 15 degree cold. With beer slushies. <laughs> Yeah, our, yeah, it was cold enough that all of our beers were turning to slush and we we're huddled around your solo stove, which <laughs> was much needed uh, social time. Yeah, definitely. I melted my gloves, by the way. I didn't tell you that. We were so close to the fire that my gloves uh, <laughs> melted a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, man, what it was, a, it was a weird racing experience for sure. And probably one only... It, like, only an experience that you can have with Zwift for, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't die like I thought I would, but I got pretty close. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's awesome though. But I think we should quickly transition and talk more about actual racing and, uh, people that do actual rides like Jill <laughs> I don't even. I wonder if Jill even uh, owns a trainer. She probably doesn't. I, I I can't picture Jill doing Swift. No, because like winter is her favorite time to ride. Yeah. So we um had the opportunity to interview uh, Jill, and this was one of my favorite episodes. Ah, uh, one of the most positive people that you can talk to, and completely um just excited about cycling 
And, and then I, I just love to talk about the, the things that she does for the local community with, with the ride that she, um, with skirts in the dirt that she helps put on and, um, and then her, uh, winter, winter win- shakedown and the winter shakedown. And then of course we talked about the bachelor and, uh, insane clown posse and you know, all, all the, we checked all the boxes of Fag- the things Fa- that drinking Fago, drinking Fago. So, <laughs> But uh, what else? What else is there? Is that it? Should we just get to it? Yeah, we don't want to ruin it. Let's get the people into the interview. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, the queen of fat bike, Jill Martindale. Awesome. How are you guys? Good, good. How are you doing this evening? I'm good. I'm good. I was just watching um, The Bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so this is the direction we're going tonight. <laughs> I don't know. It's, uh, I always forget it's on like Monday nights and then I get into it. And then uh, you guys know Emily uh, Molesky, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So she and I have been like texting each other back and forth about like all the different like women on the show. And um, yeah, we're... <laughs> <laughs> We're just like texting and watching it. And then I was like, oh, it's 930. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) So you just got back from like a a trip or like a ride or this weekend. What did you what did you do this weekend? Yeah. um, So this past weekend, uh, my husband and I were uh, Dan. We were going to go out and do uh, 200K for the virtual fat pursuit. Um, But he is a mechanic at one of the shops in town. And uh, he's got a little bit of like a case of tennis elbow going on or something like that. So we made it about five miles and I looked over at him and I could tell that he was like kind of hurting, but he didn't want to tell me that he was hurting. Uh, So I kind of like let it go for a minute and then was just like, no, we're going to go back to the car and and call it. So it's kind of a bummer because, um, like we had gotten like a negative 20 degree bag for him. And this is going to be like, like this was going to be the year before like COVID canceled everything that we were going to do a winter ultra together. Um, and then when we headed out for the virtual fat pursuit, it was just not in the cards. So we, uh, we got a hotel room in Cadillac and ordered a bunch of pizza and watched some really crappy, horrible like hotel room, like TV. Um, it was actually really fun and then the next day we went on a bunch of long hikes so that was really cool like a a really good uh consolation prize but also like um we never do anything without bikes or without the dogs so to not be doing anything like without either was kind of neat were you gonna do the 200k straight through or was it gonna be broken up into multiple days Yeah, so we were going to do about 40 miles a day. And then uh, the second night, we were going to meet up with uh, Christina Peak and Scott Quiring. And they were going to do like an overnight trip with us um, and stay the second night with us before they like headed back to free soil. So it was going to be cool. We had like all these big plans. um, But what we wound up doing was like way better. Kind of. (laughs) I don't know. It was different, but but good still. So you... um... Right before this interview, you were watching The Bachelor, and then uh, last weekend, 
you just you stayed in the hotel and well you did some hiking but you watched a lot of crappy tv is that part of your whole thing is just uh the motivation you get from really bad tv (laughs) it's uh I don't know. I've, I think. You know, <laughs> I'm joking. That's not a real question, Jill. I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> I have watched a lot of trash television in the last 12 months. Um, it is like the year of trash television, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've, I've, I've gotten sucked into the first 48 on. Uh, yes. I don't know what. Sheldon, I love that. We watched that too. You do? Yes. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. I'm not the only one that sits there and like watches like, oh, are they going to are they going to figure out this crime in the first 48 hours? I don't even know what what show that is. It's, oh, it's like, so good. It's <laughs> like a cop show. It's like a like a reality um follows detectives around. I'll have to try that out. Yeah, and I'll have to try out The Bachelor. I mean, <laughs> My my curiosity has been piqued. Is that like a new show? I've never heard of The Bachelor. <laughs> yeah, totally, it's totally new. Super like super new with twenty twenty and okay, great. Yeah. Trevor, I'm gonna grab some Ben and Jerry's. I'll be over. We're watching uh, The Bachelor. <laughs> I mean, uh, we'll be texting back and forth with uh, Jill. Be like, oh my god, I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> It's uh, on tonight's episode, the girls all had to put on like squirrel costumes and kind of like fight, not really like fight, fight, but like compete against like this obstacle course. And it actually looked like a ton of fun. What so- in the world? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Squirrel <laughs> costumes and obstacle course. <laughs> I just want to play that. I don't want to compete for like anybody's heart. I just want to play all the silly games. I love that. This is what we're talking about right now. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, Jill, I saw, I saw a few weeks ago you posted an old picture that Rob took of you riding. Uh, I think you were riding in the snow, mm-hmm. um, and it was. And you said it was like one of your first bike races. What year was that? Yeah, uh, 2015. It was the Farmhand Fat Bike Race at Cannonsburg Ski Hill. Um, so it it uh, no longer is around. Um, but the first year that the farmhand fat bike race happened, it was actually at a uh, verse loose apple orchard. Um, so I signed up for that as a duo team with a coworker, but we called ourselves um, the, uh, what were we? We were the a cup. We called ourselves cause it was just like two smaller women racing <laughs> the team. And we had like, no idea what we were doing. I think we did like two laps total out of like everybody else doing like six or seven laps. Um, and we were on a demo bike and then the next year, um, I actually just tore my ACL playing roller derby. And so I wasn't able to race it the second year. Uh, but Jenny Acker was racing and I like sponsored her. So I got her a bag of, of treats and snacks and then, um, made her a sign that said second, like Jenny, go Jenny second place. (laughs) Wait, what? (laughs) Cause like. Uh, Danielle Musto was racing and we knew that she would get first. And then I think <laughs> there were, like, not many other women racing. So I made Jenny a sign that said like, you can get second place. <laughs> <laughs> and then I tried mooning her, um, but she thought it was a fake butt. So she slapped my butt like really hard and left like a handprint. Um, but it was a real butt. It wasn't a fake butt. 
um, wait, wait, is that how she got the b- butt crack, Jenny? No, she, that was way before that. <laughs> she had a <laughs> she had a jersey that had a butt crack on it. Uh, so people started calling her butt crack, Jenny, um, which is awesome that she like married Matt because butt cracker just rhymes with acker, so that's amazing. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so the second farmhand race, I wasn't able to race it. And then the third one, um, I was on another shop demo. And that was, like, the first year that I uh, was taking, like, fat bike racing seriously and, like, was actually, like, doing race after race after race and stuff like that. How did you start getting into fat bike racing then? I mean, (laughs) (laughs) that's kind of, like, a big question off the bat, but... um... All you need is someone to slap your bare ass and there you go. You're into it. (laughs) Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. I lucked out super hard. Um, because like, so I was working at a bike shop, uh, Grand Rapids bicycle company. It was the Ada bike shop when I first started there. And, um, so Tom Smith who owns GRBC, he bought the place and, um, I was going around to different like shop sponsored events and just kind of hanging out and chilling and and uh so tom it was a winter season so things are slowing down at the shop and i wanted to race and i had already done like endurance uh bike packing type stuff um and i had a lot of fun at iceman racing on the fat bike course it took me like or on the iceman course it took me like three and a half hours my first year on a fat bike i was just really slow and not good at it and then um Tom just handed me a muckluck demo off the floor and, and told me to see what I could do with it. And so I did the Great Lakes Fat Bike Series. It was the, I think the second year of the series and I wound up getting second overall. Um, so it was kind of after that Fat Bike Series uh, when I did well that Tom gave me, uh, um, he gave me a different mountain bike off the floor as a demo and told me to race that in the NUE series. And then from there I was just hooked. So were were you a fan of the winter before fat biking or was fat biking kind of your pulled you into the into the winter sports? It definitely pulled me into the winter sports. Um, Michigan winters were always like a really kind of dark and depressing time for me. And um, I used to just go to the bar and drink a lot. And I would go and see a bunch of bands play in like dark basements or at, you know, bars and venues. And um, so, yeah, the winter, I just like kind of just drank and hung out and then I started racing my fat bike and it opened up like a whole new world which is really cool but there's a there is a difference between fat biking or racing just racing fat bikes and this ultra endurance um corner not corner but uh ultra endurance um niche that you kind of have uh, are a part of now um what is it about ultra endurance just uh just generally that that draws you into to these multi-day events i really like um (laughs) i really like the point when you like run out of things to talk about and your body is kind of tired and then you just wind up like laughing about the silliest things and the people that you're riding with, like uh, somebody can pull out like a Snickers bar and offer you half of it. And it's like the best thing in the entire world. <laughs> um, so I like uh, the point of like having your own body, like carry you from point A to point B. 
Um, but I also like the simplicity of it and how um, everything else kind of fades away, like all your worries. And um, you just wind up laughing about the little things and making silly jokes and the inside jokes um, and just getting kind of to know somebody a little bit better beyond just, uh, I don't know, racing or what you do for your job. Um, just like even being silent with somebody for an hour is kind of cool. Um, or even just being silent with yourself for an hour is kind of neat too. So I, I was like going to ask how, how, how are you uh, at like complete, uh, I guess like solitude? Um, is that still, still something that you enjoy? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I crack myself up. <laughs> I make all sorts of funny jokes and like, um, I, I think about a lot of things or I replay different movies in my mind or um, like I daydream a lot, which is really fun. Uh, so like when I was in Alaska on the Iditarod Trail, um, I, I met Dee Dee John Rowe, who's like a really awesome, uh, legendary female musher. And she's now like a TV personality um, and she's kind of older, um, but she's just this little blonde firecracker who wears bright neon clothes. And so like I met her in Ruby at an Airbnb and then I spent like the next two days on the Yukon river, just like daydreaming about like becoming best friends with her. <laughs> like moving to Alaska and, and living at her kennel. And uh, it was just, I mean, it's funny, but it's, it's like kind of making your own TV shows or whatever in your brain. So. What? So, so hold on. Like before we get too far, like I feel like I'm missing something because we're going from you working at a shop and then just sometimes tooling around on a fat bike and and um, uh, 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 cheering on Jenny or, or doing this and that to all of a sudden you're doing the NUE series. And I mean, was it just I'm going to sign up for these events and and was it a slow progression I mean, how did you get from doing that to riding the ITI and in Alaska? And um, yeah, I don't, I really don't know. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of it kind of exploded because uh, I, I did the Great Lakes Fat Bike Series and then um, from there did the NUE Series and then from there the Fat Bike Series again. Um, so I found that the races that I loved the most were the longer distance ones um, because you like there was more room for error or more room to like kind of take in the sights. So um, like the Lumberjack 100, uh, the first year that I did that with the three lap format that they have, um, like every time I came through to a checkpoint or to the aid station, um, I didn't feel like like, I, I mean, I'm still in a hurry. I still try to, to leave as fast as I can, but I still felt like I got to see a lot of smiling faces and I got to kind of stop and chat and laugh for a minute before continuing onwards. So for me, that kind of ramped me up and made me really excited. Um, but the first fat bike, like endurance kind of race that I did, um, the Solstice Chase, it was one of the first ones that I did in the Great in the Great Lakes Fat Bike Series, right, uh, kind of circuit. And um, the Solstice Chase, got really like really sloppy and mushy and like every lap that you did just got even like sloppier and worse than the first and um I had a I had so much fun out there just like persevering and pushing my bike and like not being able to ride and 
everybody's out there trying to take racing seriously, but they're falling over or like pushing their bike. And so for me, I got like a huge kick out of it. Um, so that one took me like six hours to complete like less than 30 miles. And like when I finished, I rode through the finish line and um, they were like taking down the finish line and like all the cars in the parking lot were gone. <laughs> I got like third place and I got this really cool mug for it. Um, so for me, that was just like solidified, like, yeah, you just have to keep going. And it doesn't matter how fast you're going because everybody's having a hard time in the sloppy conditions. So it just becomes like, a, I don't know, a race of like who could persevere the longest. So I'm I'm kind of asking myself if I've ever seen you not on a fat tire. Do you even have any other bikes or is it just <laughs> fat tires? Um, so I have the I have the Warbird for gravel. So I've done like uh, Unbound Gravel now, DK. Uh, I've done that three times. Uh, coast to coast, I finished it once and then was 16 miles from the finish another time. And I had to call my parents to come and pick me up. Um, I don't do well in the heat. So I was like barfing and 16 miles from the end. Oh, no. <laughs> I just like, could not stay on my bike. Like I was barfing so hard. I was like off of my bike, like just sitting on the side of the road. Um, and so I had to call my parents, which was like a really low point, uh, but also kind of funny too. Cause my mom, she was so sweet. She's like, do you want me to take you to the finish and you can see your friends? And I, um, uh, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I maybe barfed so hard that I pooped my pants. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how we're opening this one. <laughs> so, <bad. laughs> so my mom wanted, like, she wanted to take me to the finish to hug my friends. And I was just like, I just want to go shower, please. <laughs> just, I don't know. It's bad. I mean, it's very unhealthy to to push yourself to limit where you're barfing like that. Uh, so <laughs> I like the winter stuff so much more. Um, I'm great in the cold, but like, yeah, the heat I melt. Um, and then I have a mountain bike and I have, um, yeah, I have, I have a lot of bikes, I got a commuter, uh, but the fat bike is definitely the one that I like the best. <laughs> you, you were, you were mentioning uh, perseverance and I think that that is, I mean, I, I just like I'm curious about how people find or, or or get to like becoming an endurance athlete, especially ultra endurance. And and both Sheldon and I love the the long distance stuff and and real those those long multi day things are are, are a ton of fun. Um, but I'm just curious about how other people get into it and uh, and it does take some sort of perseverance. And and I mean what what Sheldon and I do compared to what you do is like completely different and i think that just the level of perseverance that it would take someone um like you to 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 do like the iti or or um many other things i mean i think it's it's pretty incredible um i see my breath and i just about tap out <laughs> <laughs> i am not a cold weather person i did actually sheldon i was gonna tell you this i went fat biking this last weekend you did yeah i borrowed brett's bike and uh how'd it go um the conditions weren't great. On um, it was uh, Saturday and it was kind of icy, mm -hmm. so I didn't love it. But it was it was good to be outside. It was my first outside ride since November. Where did How you terrible go? was that? <laughs> um, ICD. Oh, how is that? I, I've never been out there. I, I didn't get a, like a true feel of the course just because of 
it was I, it was weird. It was weird. Anyways, what is um, um what is ICP or wait what I, is ICD? ICD? It's Ingham. <laughs> what is ICP? <laughs> Wait, it's a cloud posse? Is that- <laughs> you, you didn't know Trevor's a juggalo? <laughs> you had me fooled. <laughs> uh, we meet he's once to- a week. He's 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 totally down with the clowns. Yeah, we meet we 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 dress up like clowns. We meet once a week, and it's just uh, aren't they? It's just like white boy rap. Is that what I? Is that what ICP is? Right? Isn't it well, kind of rap? A lot of fago, right? A lot of rock and rye. Oh. And, uh, moon nest. <laughs> the hatchet man <laughs> jill talk to us about like um some of these this is gonna be like a, a hard transition um let's talk about uh the winter shakedown a little bit yeah um so uh the winter shakedown is a um it's like a winter ultra training camp um so we go through the things that you would experience in a winter ultra. So uh, right off the bat, you do a gear check. And so the, the list of gear that you need for the event is uh, similar of what you would need for like a Tiscobia or Fat Pursuit or, um, or Arrowhead. So you've got to have your sleeping bag. Um, we're pretty lenient on if you need a bivy or not, because we understand that not everybody has a bivy. And they can be kind of expensive. So this is a little bit more geared towards um, getting newcomers into the sport. Um, so uh, you've got to have your sleeping bag, a camp stove, uh, your lights. You've got to ride with the red blinky lights in the front and then the red blinky lights in the back for safety. Because usually in those uh, fat bike races, you're on a snowmobile route. So they want to make sure that everybody is safe um, with the snow machines and and that they're able to see you, especially in the dark. Um, so we have this this list of gear, and you you come and you kind of unload your bike, and you got to show where all your all your pieces are um, to make sure that you know where they're packed, and to make sure that you have them for safety. And then um, typically we go through uh, kind of like a couple different talks. So how to layer, how to stay warm, how to vent, uh, to make sure that you're not sweating through your clothes. Um, how to you know, melt snow with your camp stove. We help people pack if they need help. And then um, we go out and we do a ride with our bikes fully loaded. There's a lunch spot halfway through where you, where you have to melt snow with your camp stove and prove that you can do it. Um, so that is uh, kind of a thing that they make you do in winter ultras, especially in fat pursuit, you actually have to stop and do a water boil before you can continue onwards. Um, but also for safety too, if you run out of water or if all your water freezes, you have to know how to use your camp stove and, and melt that snow so that you can get some water to drink. And then um, you finish the ride with your bike loaded up. And typically we have a shelter for everybody so that they can sleep inside of a cabin or um, if they wanna bring a tent or a bivy, they can practice sleeping outside. Um, so it's a really fun kind of like intro to what you might expect at a winter ultra. Um, at uh, Arrowhead, they feed you grilled cheese and tomato soup at Mount George, which is like the halfway point. And so for lunch at the Winter Shakedown last year, we served grilled cheese and tomato soup. Um, so that was fun. And uh, yeah, I was really excited for this year. We were going to host it at Owasapi, which is a Boy Scout camp in like Twin Lake, Michigan. But we actually just found out a 
less than a week ago that the event is going to, it's canceled. Um, Owasapee had a lapse in their insurance, which is totally like unexpected for this year because we thought like the event was going to get canceled because of COVID. But turns out Owasapee uh, canceled the event because they didn't have insurance. Yeah, bummer. So how many years have you been doing the winter shakedown? This is this would have been the second year. Okay. Last year was the first year and we sold out. Um, so we try to keep the event kind of small. Uh, last year we were only, uh, we only opened 30 spots for the registration um, because we want to have, you know, kind of that intimate, like one-on-one uh, hangout time, buddy time um, with everybody instead of making it so big so that you don't get a lot of time to spend with everybody. Mm-hmm. So, um, but it's cool finish everything and you, you boil your water and you have all your gear and you finish the route, then you get a cool patch that salsa makes for us. Um, is and then- I'm sure, I mean, just being a part of that, um, there's a lot of valuable information and skills that someone might learn. Are, are there any ways that you or, or anyone else might try to get those skills out to people um, since this event's not happening or um, just do, do you have like some blog posts or something that people can refer to about, you know, like um, gear choices and, and, and things to be aware of? Um, you know, I haven't done, um, I've done a pretty poor job of blogging over the last uh, year and a half. And I don't really have any excuse for that other than just, I haven't been doing that. Um, but there are some pretty cool <laughs> Facebook groups. Uh, so there is a fat bike girl group. And so um, uh, Kathy Browning, I think is her name. She's been posting a lot of really great, valuable information there. And there's like a fat bike girl blog. Um, and we'll be doing some like Facebook live streaming through that. Um, the Team 45 North uh, women are gonna be doing that. So that's gonna be cool. Um, but since the winter shakedown did get canceled and since a lot of winter ultras did get canceled, I see a lot of value in um, offering more of that information out. And so, I don't know. I feel really lame saying that, like, I haven't been blogging. And <laughs> this, the, I mean, and the point of my question was, the point of my question was to shame you into, yeah. to blogging more. So <laughs> she, she has that. time for the bachelor <laughs> yeah. and no time to blog. Come on. <laughs> Oh, what am I doing with my life? So, I mean, like, give it to us now. Like, what, um, if, if, like, there's, like, one uh, piece of gear that you think is the most valuable piece of gear on one of these rides, what would it be? And if there's one skill or um, just a a tip that you would would tell people at, at, like, at the Winter Shakedown or just someone that comes up and asks you on the street and they say, Jill Martindale, famous bike packer, uh, tell me what to do with uh, my bivy or something. What, what would you tell them? <laughs> um, so, I don't know. There's so many different ways we could take that. So, uh, first things first is have a positive attitude. Because um, if you are out there and it's cold and it's wet and it's dark um, and you're wearing like a ton of clothes to stay warm, so like you just feel a lot heavier because um, all your clothes are baggier um, and you've got like a hat on so you can't really hear super great. Um, yeah, just have a great attitude and just be excited to be out there in the snow and that will help carry you through like a lot of the hard times. <laughs> just like 
be like, whatever, whatever happens, it's going to happen. Um, I don't have control over anything, but I do have control over my like attitude at least. Um, but also like having the right tire pressure and the right tires, uh, goes a long way. Uh, if you are trying to ride through really mushy snow and you have like a lot of air in your tires or you don't have like very good tread on your tires then it's not going to make for a very fun bike ride. So if you're wearing, or if you're using, um, tires that have some pretty good tread to it, um, or wider tires that give you a lot better flow over the mushy stuff, then you can inflate and deflate your tires, uh, to make your ride quality a little bit better. So, um, like when I'm doing a winter ultra, I like to use the studded Dillinger five tires that 45 North makes because they're five inches wide and they have studs to them. So they're great on ice and they're great on the hard pack. But if it gets really mushy, I can let a lot of air out and the tires just kind of like flatten and get a lot better traction. Um, so figuring out how to dial in your pressure, especially when the temperature is fluctuating, because um, if it gets colder, your tires are gonna lose their air pressure. So you might have to stop and get more like air in your tires. Um, so pay attention to that. But uh, I guess that's a long answer to saying like, write down what works for you. Um, because everybody's going to wear different clothes and everybody's like internal temperature is different. Um, one thing that makes me sweaty, somebody else could maybe ride their bike up a hill and not, you know, break sweat at all. So um, write down like what temperature it was, how hard your ride was and what you wore and what tire pressure you ran or what worked, what didn't work, what you can improve on. Like every bike ride is just an opportunity to learn something. Yeah. So something, something that I've, I've heard 15 different answers that all <laughs> co come to the same point Yeah. with uh sub zero riding. What is your preferred technique to keep your water liquid so you can actually drink? Yeah, um, I prefer to use insulated uh, containers like thermoses, mm -hmm. stainless containers, or the um, like the Yeti containers. I prefer to put my water in that, and then if I get thirsty, I just stop and drink. Um, for me, that works a lot better because my bike carries all the weight, and it's like a guarantee that my water is not going to freeze. Um, I've definitely done the Camelback or the Hydro Pack on the back and blowing the water back in, into the hose um, works. But I've also had that fail on me a lot. So like sometimes I get sweaty and that camelback will hold all that sweat on my back and then I get cold or I forget to blow the water through the hose and then it freezes and I'm screwed. Or I've used like the hydro heater, uh, which is like this big contraption that attaches to your hydro pack. And mm -hmm. if you can like press a button and eight batteries will like, charges this metal coil that like for you which is great if you're like five foot two that's just like a lot of hose and a lot of stuff to fit underneath your jacket mm -hmm. um so yeah putting all my water in insulated containers and then also getting really good at using my camp stove and melting snow um has been a lot more effective for me than like wearing my water or trying to yeah, put it on the so, back. So you're you're not one of those folks who uh, throws a shot of whiskey into their water bottle. <laughs> I used to. <laughs> <laughs> so like anything shorter, that definitely works. Um, but for the longer distance stuff, uh, like alcohol dehydrates you, and mm -hmm. so 
um, like anything that I can do to keep myself from being dehydrated. So like, I'm not big on caffeine. I'm not big on like alcohol. Um, I'm just trying my best to, to stay hydrated and not get too sweaty. Now, this might be a dumb question, um, but in terms of uh, footwear, um, I know like they, they have like specific boots, but are you running flat pedals most of the time or all the time? Or are you clipping in? How, what's, what's the preferred pedal to boot situation? Everybody, yeah, everybody's different. Um, so I prefer clipping in. Um, okay. For me, I like being connected to the bike. Um, I like feeling, uh, I don't know, like secure on it. So if I had platforms, I think I'd, I'd feel a little bit slippery. Um, though sometimes on the bottom of my boot, you'll, uh, from like walking or pushing in the snow, you'll get some ice compacted on the bottom. Um, so I carried a Leatherman with me anytime like ice got like super compacted on my pedals. Um, I was using Shimano clip-in pedals. I would just like take my Leatherman and just like jab at my pedal to pull out the ice. <laughs> and you just have to do that like every once in a while. I don't know, maybe once an hour. It wasn't. Oh, God. <laughs> that sounds awful. <laughs> it's only like the sloppiest, crappiest conditions that that happens. Um, so I use the 45 North Wolfgar boots, um, which are rated mm -hmm. to negative 25 degrees. But um, I size up one size so that I have a lot of wiggle room in my toes because uh, air is a great insulator. Um, so size up, get some wiggle room in your toes. And then I actually use like a vapor barrier sock. So um, this is going to really gross you guys out. So like <laughs> <laughs> wait, you've you is, is this going to be we, worse? We already than talked about you shitting yourself. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd say that you shit in your boot, I am going to be. <laughs> I'm done. I'm out of here. Yeah, it keeps your foot warm. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is great. I'm, I'm just really glad that like I'm not on The Bachelor and that I. <laughs> I just don't. Yeah, talking about barfing and pooping and getting sweaty is awesome. Uh, so. <laughs> So with the vapor barrier, uh, you wear like a small, like a thin, um, like a kind of sweat wicking base layer sock, like a very thin mm -hmm. sock. And then you put like a bag over your foot. So I use the RAB uh, vapor barrier, but you can use oven bags too, or just plastic bags. Uh, dog poop bags also work well because um, they're kind of the shape of your foot. So uh, when you put your foot inside of this vapor barrier, it keeps all that sweat uh, like at your foot. And it keeps the sweat from permeating into your boot. Um, and so your body kind of gets the signal that I've sweat. I'm not going to sweat anymore because I feel sweaty. Uh, so your body stops sweating and then your boot stays dry. So you stay warmer because that insulating factor of the boot like keeps your foot warmer. Um, so I use the vapor barrier when it's like super duper cold. And then um, when I get to the spot where I'm going to like either like an aid station or a lunch spot or like shelter cabin, finally, when you get there, then you can take the vapor barrier sock off. And like my feet kind of got gross um, at I did a rod because it, they were just like constantly in sweat for like three days in a row because uh, I was just sleeping in my boots every night because it was so cold. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it enables you because 
if you sweat into your boot and then you take your boot off and you try to sleep in the morning, your boot's going to be frozen. So from uh. the sweat, from getting into your boot, then your boot never freezes. And then also your foot stays warmer. So, so the problems I have never ran into and I am so intrigued about this. <laughs> <laughs> so it's probably a similar, uh, situation with your hands right with the with the air like i, I assume do you use the bar mitts or like what do they call them pogies or pogues or what do you yeah um so i use the 45 north cobra fists um or pogies people call them uh you can use like plastic latex gloves as like a, a vapor barrier inside of your actual like mittens as well but i'm 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 not kind of I don't really need to do that. Um, so my hands stay like very warm. Uh, so I can wear either like the the surface fours, which are like, uh, they kind of bundle your pinky finger and your other finger together for the buddy system for warm. Um, or the, the surface fives are good for me. And then inside of the pogies, like that definitely generates enough heat to keep my hands warm. Um, but it did carry, like when I do the overnight stuff, I do carry uh, the latex gloves with me just in case. I always try to keep um, like a set of gloves and a pair of socks um, and like a warm shirt or a puffy coat. I try to keep kind of like a, like an oh shit pile if like shit hits the pan. Um, <laughs> I have like warm clothes to put on to protect myself while I either like start a fire or uh, get my bike rolling or something like that. What's so in worst case scenario, I always have like a set of something to put on. Yeah. What's the hardest thing then to control your, your temperature then, or what's, what's the hardest thing to keep warm for, for you personally? Um, it took me a while to figure out how to keep my face warm enough. Um, because like, yeah, my hands always stay warm and my my feet some like my feet used to get cold before I realized that you need a little bit of wiggle room or before I started using vapor barriers my toes would get a little bit chillier um but my face sometimes like I remember the first year I went to Alaska for the 350 ITI or even the first year that I went to Fat Pursuit and it got into the negatives um I remember my face just getting like really cold um so it took me a minute to realize what worked for me there. Uh, I saw a lot of people wearing goggles. And so I tried to wear the goggles, but they would just like fog up because I was going too slow. Um, so that wound up being like uncomfortable. Um, so I used something called a nose hat, which is made by a woman in Alaska. And it's kind of like this, it looks really silly, but it's like this kind of felt thing that covers the bridge of your nose in your cheekbones and then it covers your nose and you can kind of, it's pliable, you can mold it. Um, so it covers your face well, and then you can still use a buff and you can still use your hat. Um, and so like that paired with like coconut oil or like a Vaseline type Dermatone on your face too, will keep it from getting like one burnt and keep the cold at bay. Have you ever gotten any frostbite? No, knock on wood. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I've been really, really lucky. Uh, there were uh, the last two times that I've gone to do Arrowhead. Um, I was trying to do it unsupported because uh, I, I set the women's record for the supported category, and that was super awesome. Um, I like how I was talking about how I like to stop and like take in the scenery. But at Arrowhead, the year that I set the course record, 
Um, I stopped for a total of 15 minutes at all three of the checkpoints and then finished the race in like just over 16 hours. Holy cow. Really <laughs> but like, I was just like hauling. Um, but uh, <laughs> so, so after I did that, I decided I, I want to do Arrowhead unsupported, uh, just give myself another challenge. But I wound up going out at a race pace and getting too sweaty and then getting really cold. Um, and I wound up dropping because I just got myself into a hole that I couldn't fix. Um, but I remember that first year after I dropped, um, I remember like pushing my bike and my feet just felt like bricks, like they were really cold. Um, and so I had to decide to drop. And then I was hanging out in the kind of the racers area at the finish line. And everybody who was coming through had like frostbite. Oh, geez. And I was just like really glad that I pulled the plug um, when I felt uh, that I had like gone into the deep end. So. Yeah, I've lucked out. Um, I've worn good gear and and listened to my body and and push myself, but also uh, try to take care of myself too. Now you've obviously been a part of some pretty amazing uh, events and experiences. Arrowhead, a couple times, um, several times. Um, I've done Arrowhead. So I've gone four times and I've finished two of those times. Okay. And then um, we've talked about ITI and and we've talked about that on another episode as well. Um, Mm -hmm. Is, do you have any bucket list events that, uh, or if not an event or race, like a bucket list uh, location that, that you would (laughs) love to, to ride? I kind of feel like I'm still learning and I'm still discovering um, like the bikepacking endurance world. And so even though I love the winter ultras, um, I want to go and do more of the winter ultras. I want to do the drift. I want to do the Southern route for ITI. Um, There's some other really amazing uh, races out there that I want to do. But I also want to get into some of the other bikepacking races. Um, And I want to do more bikepacking routes. Uh, So one of the things that I wanted to do, um, I have a friend who moved back to the UK. And so I kind of want to do the the divide out there um, or some of the other bikepacking routes. Um, But I actually have other than Canada, I've never gone out of the U.S. before. And so I just, I want to explore more places. Um, I don't know. I just, I want, I, like, I feel like there's so much more for me to do, but it's almost overwhelming because there is so many, like, there's so many cool things out there. So I just want to um, take it uh, trip by trip and try to do as much as I can. Now, you put on, you started Skirts in the Dirt, didn't you? Yeah, um, so I'm one of the co- co-founders. Uh, Julie Whalen and myself are the two co-founders of Skirts in the Dirt. Um, and how long has that been going on? This year would have been the seventh year. Oh, okay. So, yeah, um, it's been really cool to see that that event take off. Um, uh, the last year that we hosted it, so we, we had to cancel this year because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, but in 2019, we sold out at 200 women. And um, essentially that's like, the limit that Wallfield Park can have because of their parking system. Um, but the Kent County Parks, they're actually uh, redoing a lot of the park at Wallfield. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm super excited. There's going to be an off-leash dog park 
in a dog wash station. And then um, there's going to be extra parking and they're going to have a better event space and another bathroom. And then they have like, they've always had a playground there, which is really cool. So it's a really neat facility outside of Grand Rapids. Um, but yeah, we like completely jam packed the park full of spectators and racers. And um, it was a super fun event in 2019. And then 2020 was going to be really awesome too, but due to safety, you know, um, we could have figured out like a time trial system or something like that. But the idea of the whole event is the community and, and like celebrating together. And so mm -hmm. you can't hug your friends. I don't know. That was just like a huge part of it. <laughs> just, just explain um, real quick exactly what um, Skirts of the Dirt entails and what it is for, for those that might not know. Yeah. Um, so Skirts of the Dirt uh, is a women trans, women trans and femme uh, mountain bike race. And it's a beginner oriented one. So um, for a lot of women, I would say maybe like 80%. Um, a lot of them, it's their first mountain bike race ever. Um, so it's super exciting and, um, we're there, we host a skills clinic and then leading up to the race every Wednesday night, we do a group ride. So you can come and you can learn the course. You can learn how to ride a mountain bike. You can ask any question that you might otherwise feel uncomfortable asking. Uh, so we do a lot of like mechanics workshops and clinics and then the group ride and we'll stop and we'll session rocks or roots. Um, so it's very, very beginner uh, beginner friendly and then it's great for all ages too so we have like moms and their kids showing up um, and that's really fun but then the race itself uh, we try to make it more fun and less serious than some other races that are out there so um, you'll start out and you'll do the race and then uh, there will be a challenge so like we've had the Grand Rapids bike polo team host a challenge before so you've got to get off of your bike and use like the polo mallet <laughs> hit a ball into the ball and then you get a sticker on your number plate and you get to go. So it kind of like, <laughs> I don't know, it's like a big, silly celebration of just riding bikes. And even though it is competitive, it's kind of more about the community and celebrating each other and trying it out and encouraging each other than um, like just getting out there and racing and then going home. You've, um, that's awesome. That's, I think that's great. And it's such a, such a great uh, and and cool thing to for Michigan to have. Um, you've you've mentioned community a couple times, and going way back to when I when I asked you about uh, what draws you to endurance, um, it was a lot of getting to know people or or talking with people or getting to that point of silliness with someone. Um, it, well, how much is does community mean to you in terms of like cycling and community, being a part of community, or doing something like skirts in the dirt or um, winter shakedown, fostering community? So you're <laughs> like, it, it seems to be a big theme in your life, right? It is. It's a huge theme. Um, I just really love uh, giving back. I feel like um, like when I first started racing. Or even, uh, so, so yeah, I haven't traveled out of the U.S. other than Canada, and I have lived in Michigan my entire life. <laughs> but I love it. I love the people, and I love uh, the community. But, like, when I um, first started riding my bike and I first started working in the bike shop, I met, um, you know, Scott and Marty Tenkate, and they are just awesome. And then Rick and Kathy Plight, and they're incredible. 
and Matt Acker and Jenny are awesome. And so I just kept meeting these really great, really friendly, really um, inviting people. And, and it really drew me into the sport. And so I will always feel like very indebted to that. And I'll always feel like I want to, I want to do the same. Like these people encouraged me and, and believed in me and, and look where I am now. So I just want to keep paying it back and, and do what I can to make the community better. And I don't know, just more fun. So that's great. Something (laughs) that I, uh, observe and you don't have to give away all your secrets, but, uh, if you, if, if anyone follows you on Instagram, I'll notice on your, on your Instagram stories, something that you and your community do together is this hide a beer game. Can you explain this? Cause I love this. This is, this is so great. And, uh, I want to know everything about it and then I want to start it in Lansing. <laughs> super, super fun. Definitely start it. Uh, I cannot take credit for this because I was not the one who started it. Uh, but it is hilarious. So essentially, um, uh, I think this this most recent round, uh, Mitch, who works at GRBC Full End, um, he started it. So essentially, you you hide a beer somewhere, and then you have to post these clues, like three clues of where in the city this beer is hidden. And it's really really fun because it's like it's all like the weird uh, shenanigan spots. So like Richmond Park, there's a spot there that that everybody local calls the murder spot. <laughs> and so like one beer was headed there. So it's like the bike path that leads there. And then like this one specific fence with like graffiti and then like this this gross stream that has like a bunch of trash in it. And then you show like where where you hide the beer. So it's uh, find a beer, hide a beer. And um, somebody will post it in their story. And then everybody else who's who's found the beer or uh, who you want to encourage to go find the beer, like you just tag as many people as you can. And so they'll see the story and then everybody else shares the story. And then you try to get to that that spot as fast as you can. Uh, is, to get is, to beer. is it required that you get to that spot on a bicycle? Yes. Okay. So you Good. have to get there on a bike. Okay. Um, which is super fun because it's like definitely a really great way to discover the city of Grand Rapids. Uh, there have been, um, like for me, I love it because every time somebody posts the the picture of the beer where it's hidden and all the clues, like I feel like super cool if I know all the spots. <laughs> and then if somebody like posts a spot that I don't recognize, then I'll be like, what? Where is that? And I'll like start searching everywhere. And it's, it's a great way to like discover new cool spots. Um, but also a great way to like, like, I, yeah, I love showing people the new spots and, or cool spots in town. And so like anytime I ride with somebody and I get to show them something new, it's really exciting for me. And so like, I have to fight the urge to go and find all beer because like, (laughs) (laughs) I can't win it every time. (laughs) Are you required to consume the beer on site as soon as you find it? Or is no, it encouraged? It's I, th- I would say it's probably encouraged, and you can if you want to. Uh, but there have, like, uh, the first time, like, I'll go through bouts of, like, not drinking and then drinking. So the first time that I found the beer, I wasn't actually, like, drinking. So I just brought it home and gave it to Dan. And then I hid another beer. And then uh, Jared, the next person who found it after me, he actually doesn't drink at all. And so, like... <laughs> 
I found the beer, gave it away, had another beer, <laughs> found it. He gave it away, but he still had another beer. So but this, that's just cool. That's funny. That's that's great. <laughs> Sheldon, man. We need something like that. Yeah, I, we, we sure do. It's um the prizes keep getting more elaborate. Uh so like uh sometimes you'll find the beer and there'll be like a joint with it. Or <laughs> You're speaking okay. my language. <laughs> uh, what was it? I had a pair of socks and a shooter and a beer and um, like a, a Husker Do like CD. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just can't yeah. give away your trash. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's a lot of weird trash. Like uh, Emily, I found a bag or I found the beer after Emily had it, and uh, there was like a keychain with this little like dude from Peru that had uh, just a ton of dicks. <laughs> <laughs> so I gave that to Dan too. He gets a lot of our prizes. <laughs> Trevor's going to put an ICP CD with his. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Some really good stuff. Perfect. Well, cool. Jill, is there anything else that he wanted to just, I don't know pitch any sponsors yeah i mean you got your you have a few sponsors you can do shout outs or whatever or i don't know i mean yeah uh coming like coming back to the whole community thing um i feel very very lucky to uh be riding for salsa and 45 north and velocity uh ergon bikes uh i get my lights from night rider but all those brands have been like so involved in the cycling community and so supportive and um, just like helping to get more diversity into the sport and everybody's trying really hard. So I just feel very, very lucky to be a part of those brands. Um, and even if I talk and say embarrassing things in an interview with you guys, like <laughs> they still believe in me and they still want to support even. So that's just, I don't know. That's, I feel very, very, very lucky. So perfect. <laughs> Like now that Salsa is like a sponsor of Barry Roubaix too. Like it's just, uh, somebody said to me earlier today, Nick Afton, he said, everybody in Grand Rapids rides a Salsa. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, definitely. But um, it's just really cool to see so many people excited about the things that I get to, to get excited about. This is great, Jill. Thank you so much. Um, we've been wanting to, to chat with you, especially after we've, first chatted with you about um the iditarod and uh just to... we we, we kind of was we're pushing it back because we were really hoping you know the restrictions would lower and we'd all be able to go grab a beer and you know not have to do a zoom zoom interview but uh alas here we still are yes but the news is i have a car now i spent most of 2020 without a car and we were a one car family and the one car that we had was not a very good car um but now I have a new car, so I could totally drive to you guys, and we could just hang out outside. Well, there you go. That could work. Thanks, uh, Jill. Thank you, Thank guys. you, Jill. Have a great thank night. The Dirty Chain Podcast is a Michigan Midpack Media production in partnership with KOM Cycling, the source for your bike accessories and necessities. Connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Dirty Chain Podcast, email dirtychainpodcast at gmail.com, or call our hotline at 616 522 2641. 
If you are enjoying the podcast, please leave us a rating and review on whatever platform you use to listen. Audio editing and original music by Trevor Gibney. Sheldon Little handles the social media, graphic design, and of course, bad decisions. And a huge thank you to Jill Martindale for joining us on this episode. And as always, keep your chain clean. But get your chain dirty. But get your chamois dirty. Get your chamois shitty. (laughs) (laughs) We will see you in the (laughs) mid-pack. If you if you get to a point um, and uh, and you're like, hey, I don't want that to be in the interview, just let me know and I can I can cut some stuff out if you're like, but no okay. regrets. Okay, okay, cool, perfect. Yes, <laughs> that's what I wanted to hear. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> you're you're such a kind host. I would have been like, oh, screw this. We're putting this on right in the beginning. <laughs> It's just a good lesson. Do not keep riding your bike if you keep barfing because you will eventually poop your pants and your parents will have to come and pick you up.